Oh yeah, doing the stand-in podcast. I feel like Pendulette on his video podcast that I used to watch. I started and it made me libertarian <laughs> for a couple of years. Oh no. But then I got hip to what libertarians believe at the fringes. Ooh, at the fringes of libertarian belief. It was the year of fire. The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours. It was the year of rebirth. The year of great sadness. The year of pain. And the year of joy. It was a new age. It was the end of history. It was the year everything changed. The year is 2261. The place, Babylon 5. Hello and welcome to Chats, a television podcast, season 6, Chats Salon 5. My name is Alan, and I will be starting today with a short wrap. I'm a reporter, Magellan's my crew, and you just made the evening news. What? <laughs> Hi, Magellan. <laughs> Hello. Good evening. It's Chats. <laughs> Chats rap. <laughs> you have to, you know, you have to do that every episode now, right? Oh, no. They made that one for me. I didn't even have to write that. They gave me a free rap. I'm a reporter, and this is my crew. What is it? What's the real line? It, that's exactly it. I'm a reporter. I'm a reporter. This, this is my crew. My crew, and you just made the evening news. And you just made the evening news. Yeah, wicka wicka wow, wicka wow. Wicka wicka Wikipedia. They. It doesn't. <laughs> I, I guess you could consider it a slant rhyme, but it felt rhymey in the moment. Yeah, that's certainly rhymey. I mean, you 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 hit it. You hit those bars. Aww. You hit I those could, bars, man. Do I have bars? You've got bars. Shit. Open up this chest. <laughs> Look inside. What's inside? <gasps> wow. Oh, it's bars. It's bars. They're pretty fire. How are you, you got fire bars. I'm great, man. Feeling good. The school year's almost over. Just a couple more days. Bow. 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 It's a musical episode so far. I think we had a musical cold open as well. We did. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, it's because I'm doing this podcast standing up. In the nude. Oh. In my house. My apartment. I was going to say in my underwear, but I won't. <laughs> the, I don't know the anymore. Sna- the snap track just keeps going for yeah, like, yeah, just for like a the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Even oh, if we man. we talk over it, but there's still a snap track, yeah. Oh, it's good. No, I'm good. Things are things are chill. It's finally it's the swing of summer. We passed the solstice, so the days are going to start getting shorter, and it's going to be a slow march to the- dreary depression once again. Uh, and I love that, and that makes me happy. I never thought about that. The minute the uh, solstice is over, the days only get shorter. Oh my god. Yeah, but then it happens again the other way the other time. So, but Let's this is the no. But for the rest of time and space, they only get shorter. Yeah, so. it is for the rest of time. That's true. 
That is true. It looks uh, at calendar. Yeah, November, basically the end of time. Basically the end of time. So are you good or what's your situation? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm good. Now I'm just thinking about death, though, and I don't know how I'm feeling. Yeah, how, are your, how are your emojis doing? My emojis, they are, um, there's the skull and crossbones skull. I'm dead. I'm, I'm so dead. I'm literally dead. Okay, can you help me figure something out? <laughs> yes. So this was a controversy. And listeners, you can weigh in. Please tweet. Please email your contributions to this. You know the the a face emoji that has the two hands in front of it and it's blushing and smiling? Yep, yep, yep. I love that one. Okay. So let me... You tell me what it means to you first. When you send that, what are you saying with it? It's kind of like a like it's optimistic. It's like, hey, you're welcome. Yeah, I got you. No problem. What do you think? You got the, it. What do you think the hands are doing? Um, both are, honestly, like both are just in front of the face waving. Okay, you think it's a wave, like a cute, like oh, like kind oh, like of like a, a single jazz hand, like a da da, like yeah, that's me. Okay, so kind of like an anime character if they're like happy with themselves. Exactly. They'll do a little move. Got it. So a couple people, some students and a teacher insisted that it's jazz hands, like fully like, da, <laughs> like shaking their hands, jazz hands. No, no. And I'm like, no, I've always interpreted it as like someone who like just opened their hands as if to say like, hug me. Oh my gosh, I'm so oh, happy right now. Like, what? bring it in, buddy. Let me give you a little hug. Why can't I find it? I use it all the time, and I suddenly cannot I'm find it. I'm going to send it to you right now, okay? Okay, please send it to me so I can just look at it and really... I'm going to send it to you right now. Let's get that face open. Here it is. Pow. Oh, there it is. I see it. No, I sent yeah. it to you. That's not a hug, dude. It's like, come on in for this hug. He's got very small hands if it's a hug. It's an emoji face. What do you want? It can't. They can't make full arms, full spread of arms. I mean, they they literally can. They make they make people emoji. Yeah, they, they make full people emojis, but you can't do a full spread of arms on one of the yellow face emojis. I get, okay, that's fair, but yeah, it, I, is it fair. doesn't it doesn't look hug like to me. I mean, you could. This is the All thing: right. is emoji are intended to be uh, interpreted however you want. But yeah. I always just remember like. This is my subs versus dubs argument. They were made in Japan. Mm -hmm. So they're coming from that context of like people know like the visual language of anime uh, and people Uh, know that it's like, hey, I did a nice thing. Here you go. It's me. Okay. Here's another question for you. The two hands that are sort of steepled together like this, I just sent it to you. What is that to you? That's a prayer emoji. Okay. Because someone today told me that it was apparently originally intended to be a high five. What? Oh God, no! <laughs> well, no, that one—that one, like context has completely come to accept it as prayer. Like, come on. Yeah, now it's just the bless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or someone's like, "Yeah, just Venmo you ten bucks for dinner last night. Thanks for coming by." And then you send five. them the like bless. But that high five, like, this is one of those things where in every case where that's used, you could argue both ways. It could be that someone thinks it's a high five and someone thinks it's the prayer. No, but if I was like, in, I tr- not in every case, but in like eighty percent of cases. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm not like I didn't mean to like immediately look for a way to prove you wrong. I just wrong. find it interesting that we use these emojis now. And let me give you my speech on emojis. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that we use these emojis now 
And it's sort of like, oh, man, now you got emojis for all these specific things. But there are just emojis where fundamentally people are disagreeing on what they are. And that's the, nobody knows that they're disagreeing. It's the magic of language, man. Nothing is, yeah. is set in stone. But I think that's a non-magic. I don't like it. I mean, it's Actually. like that one TV show always said. The the one of the beautiful things about being human is that we can contain like contradicting ideas in our heads, mm. and both of them can exist in tandem. What TV That's show was that? Uh, we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. Oh wait, I thought you were trying to segue into us talking about Babylon Five. Uh, we watch two episodes of Babylon Five every week here on Chancel on Five, and then we talk about them. This week, Alan, what did we watch? Well, Majon, I'm glad you did the segue for me because this week we watched season four, episode seven, Epiphanies. We also watched season four, episode eight, The Illusion of Truth. Epiphanies was written by J. Michael Straczynski. It was directed by John C. Flynn III. It aired February 10th, 1997, and it takes place from February 1st to the 15th of 2261. John, what happened in Epiphanies? In this episode, Garibaldi resigns from his position. Besta returns with the news that Earth Alliance plans to isolate and discredit Babylon 5. Alan, what did you think of Epiphanies? Um, I think this is a classic case where one of the episodes we discussed just kind of in my mind overshadows the other one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went into this one really wanting to like Besta in season four. Uh, yeah. He does cool. He does definitely do cool stuff. I just the way they've written Bester so far is like he he's just like a sneaky recurring side character who does a sneaky thing that doesn't really affect anything in the large scale. Yeah, because uh, he makes everyone think that you know spoilers for the episode that uh, Earth government is gonna send ships to destroy their own ships and then everyone's gonna think Babylon Five did it, but he did it because he wants to find his girlfriend. It's like, what? Like, what's your your motivation? Is really just your girlfriend? Everyone still kind of believes you, but doesn't really believe you. Like, yeah. they're not playing with this idea of trust or betrayal, where anybody like sincerely, truly is like, no, Bester's right. It's kind of always an uneasy alliance, which I think mm-hmm. is less exciting. When at the end of the day, he's not hurting them. Like he tried yeah. to, and then he never succeeds. It kind of makes him just again. We've said this before. Seem kind of incompetent, which is a bummer. Uh, yeah. It. I kind of got the sense that he was the one who tipped off the ISN crew to look for the cryogenically frozen people. Oh, I think he did. Yeah. Which I guess is supposed to be his like revenge, but it's not that explicit. Um, I agree. So you're saying the second episode out uh, overshadowed the first one for you. It's definitely more memorable to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, when I was watching this one, I just felt it was cool that they decided to dramatize and film uh, some of the best Babylon 5 fan fiction that's been done. Um, I think that's just really good, good for the community to like see the actors come back together after the show's been off the air for years and just kind of like act out. One of the most famous arcs of, of the comics. It's, it's really cool. Um, it kind of had that energy, this whole episode. Like, Bester's back! Oh, Lita and Zach are eating a pizza <laughs> in a good way. Like, I yes. liked it. I'm not saying it was bad, but it's, I don't, I can't remember the last time I felt this way about a TV show 
where it's like, oh, we were playing. Like we get to mess with the character combos and oh, this dude's back again. And like, oh, now we get to look at this like crazy plot that I thought they'd abandoned a while ago. Um, I'm not used to having this experience with a TV show. I can't think of another TV show that's made me feel that same feeling before. Especially in its second to last season. Like if this feels fan fiction, even like what the fudge does the after we thought we got canceled. Have, yeah, season, like who like. knows what season five is? I have no <laughs> idea at this point. Like this one was surprising because it felt like we're in the weeds. And also things that further the feeling of fan fiction. Um, and we can the, talk more about Bester. Sorry, I didn't mean to get off the topic of Bester. Yeah, well, I, yeah, to, 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 to get more into Bester, like he's trying to get Lita back into Psycore. He's trying to um, convince everybody that he's a good guy once again. Like he is just doing stuff he's done before, but in yeah. new context. That's, I think, the thing that's not so exciting about Bester is every Bester plot feels the same to mm-hmm. the extent that when he shows up, he's... <laughs> I, did li- I did really enjoy the scene where Zach Allen is star of the episode by the star way star of the show now i'm <laughs> yep. on his team i'm here i'm Thank team God. zach allen it took me a while but i'm here good uh he's it's the scene where he's telling the security team like here's how you check people's identity cards and like you know who knows who could show up and then londo's like hey what's up zach allen how you doing bro uh, and zach allen's like i hate you i loved londo's line where he said um the emperor said that he would like see let me go to babylon 5 again over his dead body and you said that you would let me come back here over your dead body and i only had so much time to fulfill one request <laughs> so you're going to wait your turn or whatever yeah. i thought that was so funny um and then zach allen's like anyway who knows what wacky stuff could happen and then bester shows up like hey i'm bester Uh, But it speaks to how repetitive these plots have gotten that even Bester says, hey, Zach Allen, I know you guys always put me in the brig, so (laughs) I guess that's where I'm going, right? (laughs) Do I just just go straight there and skip the like... That's my thing, huh? And then this is the most like... A, it's a little bit Austin Powersy, which we just watched and we criticized yeah, it's for. Super, it's super like dorky comedy. Where it's like, all right, what what the hell else could happen? I'm out of here. And then as he leaves, what like two like ca- three, Elvis impersonators? Three Elvis impersonators. <laughs> They're just like, oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> <laughs> JMS doesn't go for like visual gags like that very often. Yeah. So when he does that, I. I find it charming, even though it's like super stupid. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it's so quick that you're just like, um, um, okay, yeah, sure, fine. Yeah, Elvis impersonators not? on Babylon Five. Um, I'll... yeah. Shout so out. the oh, sorry, go ahead. Shout out to Zach Allen is what I was gonna say. Yeah. So the Bester stuff, I don't know, because yeah, his motivate, his only motivation, as far as what's being told to us, is that he loves this person who we haven't seen. Or no, was she the monster in the one episode? I believe she was the monster in the episode. Got it. So we don't really know much about her. We just know that he says, like, oh, I'm in love with her. Yeah. And that's not that compelling. And I just don't believe that Bester, like, can love <laughs> that much. I don't know. It's it's hard for me to buy into. Um, and he makes a deal because he wants... 
the other thing that was silly to me is that Bester would be like, okay, you're going to take me to Zahadum. Cool. I'll tell you what I know up front and then you'll take me. It seemed out of character. It felt like Bester should have been like, no, no, no. Take me there first and then I'll tell you what I know. Like that felt like a weird, bad move on his part that also made him feel less intimidating. It seems like every time we see him, he's a little less scary. Right. I think it's really funny too that he's like, you know, I knew you guys are going to bring in a telepath and they're going to make sure I don't scan anybody because you have to. And they bring on Lita and he's like, you guys realize she is of a lower, you know, psychic She's power a P5, level. I'm a P12. Like, yeah, even if, if I wanted to, she couldn't block me. And then she does. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like his head like snaps back and everyone's like, are you good? He's like, I'm fine. But, you know, him realizing cool like, cine- the cinematography on that was cool. The kind of like blue filter wobbly camera thing right it gets a little wacky for a little for a quick second to show that he's trying to like read their minds mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I that was um cool. the way they visual they visualize the mind reading is really cool because it's up until now it's always just been like somebody looks really intently at someone else like they're about to take a f- big poop mm-hmm. and at least now there's like color and, and like good camera jumping and stuff like it, it works better yeah i thought it was cool and then later on, he's like, come on, Lita, like, you're amazing. We could train you and make you so good. And he, she's like, I, you know, basically F off. Like, I'm not interested mm-hmm. still, which is great. Um, he so tells the implication that, is that the Vorlons, like, supercharged her telepathy. Right. Which yeah. is brought up later when she talks to Zach or earlier, I guess, depending on how you do this, the chronology. But um, she's like, why don't people talk to me on the ship anymore? I love this scene, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um she's in her quarters and she's she's buying things or she had bought things because when she when zach comes in he's like what's going on and she's like i bought things because the vorlon made me get like josh made me throw everything out and i want to own things again yeah and he's like that's awesome and valid i love it um and she's like why doesn't anybody want to hang out with me and this is like the best like people just talking about how they're perceived stuff that we've gone in so long loved it I do our character development like this. real Lita character development, which I didn't think we'd ever see. And it's with Zach Allen of all yeah, people. I know, right? And you're like, these are two characters who have been like jokes of characters so far. And now it's like, no, no, we have motivations and everything. Yeah, these are full people. Exactly. And she's like, you know, I want people to hang out with me. Like, I'm I'm part of the crew. I'm on the cast of the show. And he's like, everyone thinks that you have Vorlon stuff in you. You might be a Vorlon spy or you're a super telepath. And we're worried about it. But that seems kind of mean. Do you want to get some pizza sometime <laughs> and like, just hang out and I can help you pack or whatever. Bless, bless pretty Zach cool. Allen. Pretty cool. I saw a video yesterday that showed how they make pizza look really stretchy and cheesy on commercials. Oh, uh, they took a pizza and cut a slice out and then they screwed the remaining big part of the pizza to the table. Like with oh. screws. Okay. And then they, on the edge of the slice they cut out, they put a mixture of cheese and glue. Oh my God. And then like glued the slice back into the pizza. And then in the commercial, you know, get the thingy underneath the slice and pull it up. And it's like, yeah, the cheese is all stretchy because there's glue and the rest of the pizza like doesn't come with it because it's screwed to the table. Oh my God. Yeah. That's wild. It's That's wild. It's and wild. And whack and wild. Wow, you learn something every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about all the different like 
things about like how it's made with commercial stuff. That stuff's very fun. Mm-hmm. I watched a compilation yesterday. It was so oh, you got to send me that. You have to send uh, me yeah, that. Yeah, I will. Um, so Zach is later on. He brings her pizza, um, which is really charming. We'll get to the the scene where he brings her pizza later because it's important. But just to wrap up the Bester stuff, um, basically in a meeting with the like main big head, big shots at, at B five, mm-hmm. he's telling them like Earth is going to start slandering lies about you. That's part A of their plan. Um, their part B is to destroy their own Babylon five blockade with ships, and they're going to blame you for it. Yeah, uh, and. The only way I'll give you this info is if you promise to take me to Zahadun because there's technology on there that I can use to rescue my girlfriend, Carolyn, I think was her name. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, yeah, I guess. Like, why not? We can just go. We've. It used to be a big deal that we go to Zahadun, but now we're just like, oh, you want? You need a ride? Like, this yeah, is him we, asking we, if they have a bus. The shuttle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is like him being like, do you have a spare Metro card or whatever? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll let you go. Um, they go. Uh, and you, this is intercut with Ivanova and like the rest of the Alpha Squadron, like saving the Earth ships, mm-hmm. which is kind of corny because one of the guys is literally like, "Hey, I thought you guys were the bad guys." And she's like, "Not anymore." <laughs> well, no, like, she says the or no, what she the say? reports of our disloyalty have been greatly exaggerated. Exaggerated, yes. Her part is good. I just think that guy's delivery was very silly. Yeah, he was corny. Where are you guys from? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you from the low, the low Upper East Side or what? Like what? <laughs> I'm from you know, Brooklyn. You know Donnie? <laughs> oh, he's one I of the good Donnie. guys. I oh, thought you were the bad one. guys. You can't be one of the bad guys if you know Donnie. You must be one of the good guys. Ipso yeah. facto. Um, <laughs> uh, and then this is the part that's like Bester's kind of silly. Uh, first of all, Zahadum explodes. They go there. What they realize is that there are refugees that were being evacuated off of Zahadum. Um, these mm-hmm. quote-unquote refugees are not people, but allies of the shadows which is spooky oh i didn't even catch that part yeah this all happens really fast but i paid attention because i have a feeling this stuff is going to come back like i was just looking for like what's going to be important later in this back half of the episode um and they also imply that lita might have warned them which is why sheridan talks to her later like she might have told the like allies of the shadows to like discredit bester and be like look what he did it's his fault that these people Wait, got off she of told the allies of the shadows to escape or something because they definitely imply that she is responsible for something that happened on Zahadum. she's responsible for the defenses going off and it blowing up that's what it was because so that he can't get his information yeah because there was something about the last time that they went her psychic powers or her telepathy set off whatever defense thing they had that like sent their dad's voices into their brains yeah yeah remember? <laughs> yep yep and so this time she it seemed like she was on she wasn't sure if she had done it by accident or if she had like kind of done it on purpose but not fully consciously but she was the one who like engaged the sensors that detect telepaths and then that's what it was blew up because it seems like telepathy is like a vorlon descended thing that's yeah. why it can hurt the shadows mm-hmm. and that's why like humans have it uh and like certain have, have it. it yeah right 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 um, um but i didn't catch the part about the shadow allies leaving the planet yeah i think it's the len talking about like those things that came off 
um, are remnants of the shadows. And the reason I also point this out is like, if we fucking get like back half of season four, like these are like the shadow minions and they're the new bad guys for a little while. Yeah, like it's going to be the Thrawn trilogy or whatever. Exactly. Where it's like, oh, the Empire's remaining lieutenants. Yeah. Right. Like, come on. Also, the Thrawn trilogy fucking shreds. Don't you ever talk shit about the Thrawn trilogy. Right. I, but so now maybe this is going to shred. <laughs> Huh? hopefully we can only pray you caught in your own bullshit there a little bit huh i hoisted by my own shredder yeah um, but turtle, uh, shredder and turtle. <laughs> sheridan uh afterwards meets with lita and he's like i like the scene of him kind of like being a boss slash parent and saying like you can't being you don't get to make decisions like scary that. general not just even like a dad but like a, i will kill you if right because he's again. like he's like i wouldn't even like this is the part that reminded me of a parent he's like i wouldn't have said no if you asked but right. because you didn't ask i'm mad at you and i don't trust you as much as i should and I, everyone else has excuses not to trust you and now i do so like stop fucking up or else you're fucking out of here right yeah he says don't f with me i have the power of god and anime on my side uh-huh. <laughs> um, this is the part where it's hilarious because he's busy yelling at her and then Zach's like oh I brought the pizza I brought uh, the pizza don't look inside this play-doh box because it is a gummy pizza <laughs> we don't know if this is pepperoni uh, because we couldn't afford like to get a realistic looking pizza so just um let's eat <laughs> yeah um so that's cute that we think he, he didn't they did bring the the like gag back mm-hmm. but yeah I agree Sheridan like being mad at Lita is kind of scary in, a, in uh-huh. the right way, I think, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's scary because it kind of makes you be like, "Oh, Sheridan, I don't know, I don't know how to feel about you, bud." That's me throughout both of these episodes, just being yeah. like, "Sheridan, come on, dude." Um, and then speaking of not scary, Bester then like reveals to camera, yeah, that basically he's... that super long soliloquy was so overdone. It's just like I sent the Black Omega to make the guys do the stuff to save carolyn and it didn't work but i'm glad i did it they knew what they were doing again yeah i'm like who who didn't even try to justify like who is he talking to he's just talking at a wall so is the implication that it wasn't even clark's plan but that he just went out of his way to do that or was that his piece of like his assignment from whoever the head psychor guy was i think it was his assignment he never it never went through clark well, no, it, did, it came from Clark, right? The commander to destroy... Well, maybe not the Black the black Squadron specifically, the Black Omegas. I'm not sure what the extent of his part of the plan is. Okay. But I, I'm just wondering if it was like he was ordered to use the Black Omegas to destroy the ships and discredit Babylon 5, mm-hmm. and he was revealing his own part of the plan that he was told to do, or if he totally fabricated the whole thing and it was never something that was from oh, Clark. Maybe, maybe. I just would have to rewatch the scene. To, the reason I... Because I didn't so understand they were his ships. I, I like kind of got lost in his monologue a little bit. No, right. I didn't think they were his ships. I thought they were just like, yeah, maybe like they were already sent to do it and then he he like let them die because he knew he wanted that to yeah, work Yeah, it seemed like favor. he trained them, right? Like that was something like that. what his speech was all about. Like he was the one who told them how to fight good in space with their psychic powers. Um, Two things about that scene that I didn't realize before someone emails us. This is not made clear enough. He's talking to Carolyn. Yeah, I knew that. I didn't realize that. that He's like at her her drawer in the... I'm looking at it now. He is totally like touching the door. He's like, hey, baby, here's what's up. 
Oh, it even says it. The problem is the show is so blurry, I can never read anything. There's a scene in the second episode. You're grumpy. All right. (laughs) That's me. Um, There's a scene in the second episode where everyone is eating, and I was doing my best to find out what the fuck they were eating, and I was like, I can't see it. Oh, when they have their TV trays. Yeah, I was like, I need to know what food this is. It looked like great food, and then they had this line about like, yeah, I made this TV dinner or whatever. (laughs) Like, wait, what? It looks delicious. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So, and then Bester makes some, has some line about like, I'm going to get those, I'm going to get them back. Right. I have an ace in the hole. That'll hurt them. He says, I miss you, baby. You're yeah. the only one I can talk to. Everyone's laughing at me, but I'm going to beat them someday. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of sad. I don't even yeah. pity. I don't really pity him. And I also don't really like him. And I'm also not scared of him. I feel a familiar fondness when I see him. I think that's also the Walter Koenig effect. Yeah, he's just he's just got one of those like like friendly grandpa faces. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, I agree. He's not like that scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay, just to the, maybe this will you're done with Bester. Yes, you're good on him. I am done. He's canceled. I'm done with yeah. Bester. No, I want to see him again, but I want something to happen that's different than what has been happening. Yeah. So, okay. The shadow allies leaving Zaha Doom. Uh-huh. Is that connected to the final shot we see of of uh, the the new emperor? Verini. Verini. It's my theory. That's exactly my theory. Got it. Okay. So just to get there. Yeah, let's get to that plot. Beginning of the episode, Londo's like, I'm actually going to also go back to Babylon 5 with, uh, with Veer. Verini, you're in charge. Verini, the best, the most best side character right now is promoted fine, to re- yeah. regent leader of mm-hmm. the Centauri. Uh, and he says, I love it. Well, I love pastels. And he's going to put pastels everywhere, which is like same. I super would do that. Um, he's really charming and funny. And then we don't see him again for the entire episode. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the episode, he's like, oh, I'm such a good emperor. I'm having so much fun. Bleep, bloop, bleep. Uh, and then he looks, he like has an itch or whatever in the middle of the night. And he gets up and pulls out a mirror. And yeah, on his neck is what looks like the thing that from the future Londo. episode yeah. yes it looks like just that and but it's so cheesy to end an episode on mm-hmm. that because he like looks up almost that camera and is like Bah! like yeah because he's such a goofy character exactly ending on varini is a weird choice like i do like him but it's just like that's your big dramatic twist of the episode is like yeah the nice guy i is... think it's a good twist i mean because what it's basically saying is, and I texted you this, we had kind of been under the assumption that when Londo's like, in the future, when he goes, oh, your war, caught, this is because of your war, like, congrats, you won your war, yep. but look what it did. I think we'd been assuming that that was the Shadow War. Mm-hmm. Maybe oh, yeah, they, you texted me this. Maybe they even say it is, but now I'm starting to think that either we haven't avoided that future that we thought we did, but we haven't. Or that we've gone down a different path, but similar elements are going to spring up. Yeah, maybe because that's it's how maybe time works. It, maybe it's a fate thing where like like we're even though see we try shoulder monster no matter what Jakar is going to get his eye plucked out no matter what exactly yeah and then Centauri Centauri Prime is going to burn no matter what yeah. Like all that stuff can still happen, and then Plondo and Jakar are going to choke themselves to death, choke each other to death, no matter what. 
and they're it's gonna be them like out of KFC being like, I love this big fucking dinner bowl, and then they both I want to die like, on this dinner bowl. I could die on this dinner bowl, and then they feed each other a piece of chicken, and they both choke on their chicken. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you have any other? moments from this episode you want to talk about um there is, is some this stuff the one where londo and jakar see each other yes that's an amazing scene that's an amazing scene so we get uh so londo goes to babylon 5 he's kind of sh- like schmoozing schmoozing and hobnobbing and enjoying life again and yeah, it's just fun to see londo being the kind of like mischievous carefree guy that we saw in season one it really like did feel like with a dude yeah i really felt like season one i really liked that stuff yeah it felt like season one right up until the moment where he turned around and jakar's there and then i think we as an audience and londo at the same time all went like oh fuck oh damn oh this fucking guy and it's this moment where you're like you can really put yourself in londo's position right where you're like we shouldn't he we shouldn't hate each other right now because like we did a good thing together but like we have decades of hate for mm, how's this gonna go and then he goes up to jakar and he's like hey jakar how are things and he's like um basically what's the line exactly he's like i am seeing you exist in my universe anymore or whatever yeah he's like i'm seeing you right now after all that we've gone through together i you don't exist to me anymore let's hope this never happens again yeah because you have to remember that jakar saw in londo's mind that londo was the one who worked with the shadows in the first place. Like even if Londo helped fix the problem, he created the problem in the first place. Right. It's a neat contrast to earlier when Jakar gives Garibaldi a huge hug. Very nice, warm scene. Yeah, he like picks him up. He's like, I love you so much. Cause there just to go back, like I want to segue from the Jakar stuff to Garibaldi. Um yeah. Garibaldi's the one who's having a bad day this episode. He quits. Everyone's like, Why why'd you quit? He's like, I don't want to work here anymore. It yeah. seems like this might be a really subtle version of the programming. Yeah, it's a, mm-hmm. this is like the yeah. programming happening to him. Something's wrong with him. You feel it, especially in the second episode when he just doesn't sound like himself. But in this episode, the corny way that they show it is he's shaving and he draws like a colon L face in the mirror. Like a mirror, You think like he's going to draw a smiley face and then he draws like a mirror, flat yeah, face. Yeah, exactly. And he gets a message. It's like message for you, Garibaldi. And it's just like like psychedelic patterns. And he's like, delete all my messages. It's not like it's so much more subtle and creepy than like if he saw it and then was like, I must kill. Instead, he's like, the programming is still working. He wipes off the face from the mirror and then he quits. And he says, I don't want to fight. I don't want another week. I don't want another day. I don't want a five day pass to Disney Planet, which hold on. I need to go to Disney Planet. You guys (laughs) can't just say that the tape, please roll it back and take me there. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Jakar comes to his room. A bunch of people talk to him um, and are like, what are you doing? But the first one's Jakar who comes in and he's yeah. like, Londo, I'm sorry. Uh, Jakar, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I feel terrible. Everything's my fault. And Jakar's like, get over here, you big log. I fucking miss you. <laughs> <laughs> it's adorable. Um, he says, I miss you a lot. And I thought about you every day, baby. I wrote you letters, baby. Baby, I came to look for you, baby. I got my eye. I lost my eye. I lost my eye, baby. Um, he's like, everything bad happened to you. And he's like, yeah, but everything good happened because I looked for you at the same time. My people are free because of Garibaldi in a way. Yeah. So isn't everything good? And he's like, all right, well, thanks. I quit though. <laughs> yeah. Like 
this is this scene's a bummer to me just because this is like Garibaldi getting this reunion he wanted, but in his like programmed state and in a bad he's in a bad point yeah, of life. What do you what do you think's up? What, I just want to know what it is. <laughs> it's so subtle that I keep forgetting it's happening, and then it happens again, and I'm like, oh shit, no, yeah, Garibaldi's not Garibaldi. Yeah, because it's it's not like his eyes are clouding over and he's being controlled. Exactly. There's like somebody like tweaked the path that he's on so that it looks like him and he acts similar to himself, but it's just wrong. Yeah. So I think they are trying to undermine Babylon five. I think especially in the second episode, it's right. Like, isn't it part of, do you think that's Bester's ace in the hole? Oh, maybe. Maybe it's that simple, right? I think maybe. Just connect the A and B plot together. I think so. Um, speaking of like people chatting, the, the rest of these scenes I have notes about are just people hanging out. Like Garibaldi and Zach talk and things get kind of serious. I always hate when they talk and things aren't like fun because yeah. I like them a lot. And there's a scene later where everyone's like, you know, I'm really glad that Zach is now the head of security because Garibaldi's compromised and Zach is a good boy who never did anything wrong. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sad, but yeah. also he is. Um. And so there, that's unfortunate. But then we get one of these scenes where, like, speaking of fan fiction, but speaking of, like, they have enough time now to just have moments of calm. Mm -hmm. We get a scene of Delenn and Sheridan on the bay just talking about how Sheridan works too much and he likes chaos. He likes order. Or, like, he he likes order. No, but he likes things to be too busy. Like, he likes to barely contain things. I see what you're saying, yeah. Um, And so Delenn is just like, man, you work too much. And he's like, I know, but someone has to do it. And it's like... Yeah, she says this thing about, like, sometimes I try to imagine you on the beach and, like, your head explodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't even fathom a boring day in Sheridan's life, which is, like, valid and just a nice moment yeah. of people talking about other people in this. And uh, we need more of that, to be honest with you. Yeah, we do. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to rest the, like, big plots for a little bit so we can have more stuff like that. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, that's basically what I got. The rest of it is, yeah... They blow up Zahadoom, and then Minister Verini is like, oh, no, I have a parasite on my neck. Yeah. That's what we got. Bester leaves the ship with an ace in the hole. Um, Would you like to read some electronic mail? Let's do it. I'm going to sit down now. Oh, yes. All right. Um, Do you want me to go first? I do want you to go first. Okie dokie. I'm going to read the Dan mail this week, as I love to do. Uh, This comes to us from our buddy Dan, who is talking about the long night and into the fire. Show me a fever into the fire, digging higher and higher. All right. Dan says, It was a great, almost necessary choice to have Veer kill the Emperor. JMS had an interesting story about this moment. He said that he fully intended for Londo to kill Cartagia right up until it was time to write that scene, and that the Veer character metaphorically jumped off the page and said, Nope, that's my kill. I remember mm-hmm. that some fans wanted to absolve Veer of, his, of this murder, claiming that it was accidental, that Cartagia just turned toward Veer at the moment that Veer was holding the blade, and oops, Veer plunged it in. JMS eventually jumped into the conversation to make clear uh, that Veer picked up the blade and held it at the ready, and he hit the mark right between the hearts, and that once the blade was inserted, Veer had to hit the plunger to administer the poison. It wasn't just a matter of Cartagia falling on the blade that Veer just happened to be holding. Veer was waiting for his moment. 
This is one of those moments where, and I don't want to ever put a blanket statement over like people who are a fan of something, obviously, but like yeah. fans being like, I wanted Veer to not have, like to be clean of that crime. It's like, no, you know, you, I don't think you do. Yeah. I think it's way more interesting for Veer's character that he is fully aware that he made the choice to do that. And he has to accept yeah. that like when presented with it, he did it. He pressed the button. Like you want the to create the feeling of I wish Veer hadn't done that. Yes, there it is. But that's different than. But you don't want Veer to not do to that. Not have done that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You guys drew an interesting parallel between Londo and Jakar trying to find redemption for themselves and thus finding redemption for their peoples. Both of their peoples are clearly on different paths, thanks directly to the choices that Londo and Jakar have made. And it's fun to watch how those paths open before them. It reminded me of a scene way back in season one when the Narn and Centauri were taking shots at each other before openly declaring war. And Seclair asked Kosh about it, and Kosh said, They are alone. Oh, sorry, let me do my impression. They are alone. They are a dying people. We should let them pass. Sinclair asked, Who? The Narn or the Centauri? And Kosh just answered, Yes. <laughs> I miss Kosh. I miss Kosh. I miss good original, not Josh Kosh. But gosh. That's an interesting connection, right? So it kind of seems like they're both doomed in different ways. Yeah, in different flavors of the same doom, yep. Like maybe Londo and Jakar have figured it out, but they figured it out too late. That's most likely what it is, right? Most, like we're just yeah. going to watch that happen. Yeah. I'm into it. That scene with the Narn trashing the throne room and offering to make Jakar a de facto emperor was just great. I love the acting of Andreas Katsoulis when the Narn asked him what he had endured. When Jakar turned around and gave that Narn a sharp stare, I thought he was going to jump on the guy and strangle him. Perhaps the old Jakar would have, but I think that he had endured but I think what he had endured was an awakening, and that it probably cost him more than an eye. I get that you don't want to finish up the series by reaching its high point. So this is uh, Dan talking about, we're trying to figure out when to watch the movies. Yeah. Um, and our current watch order has us watching a, two of the movies, I think, between the second to last episode and the last episode, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. Dan thinks is a bad idea. Okay. And we disagree with him, but maybe we don't. <laughs> Let's see. Dan goes on to say, I get that you don't want to finish up the series by reaching its high point, then following that up with a bunch of with a couple bullshit movies, but that still might happen if you finish watching the couple of other movies that are on the list after the show um, with A Call to Arms and The Lost Tales. Also, you asked about whether or not you should watch Crusade, and I think that would affect my answer. Because if you decide to watch it, then my opinion would be for you to watch the movies after the finale, since there's more to watch anyhow. The movie A Call to Arms is a prelude to Crusade, uh, regardless. And should you decide to not watch Crusade, then I'd say that you're fine to delay the gratification of the final episode with a couple of movies. Interesting. Okay, we'll keep thinking about that then. Um, and he says, On that note, I'm all in favor of you guys finishing it out with Crusade, if for no other reason than to see you guys react to what amount... Uh, oh, sorry. React to what amounts to, quote, this is what Babylon 5 looks like when it has to incorporate studio notes. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, no. The completionist in me would sleep better at night, but I'm not going to lie. It's quite a different viewing experience from Babylon 5. Uh, he finishes up by saying, we had questions about Londo's penises, and both yep. of our emails addressed them. Thank you, guys. 
Uh, Dan says, with regard to the penises, I'll try to be brief about Centauri anatomy. They have six tentacle-like sex organs that extend out from their chests, and that and that was indeed what Londo was using to cheat at poker. Thank oh, you. Hey, I believe it. I'm ready. I'm prepared uh, to believe it. Which is why he had such a reaction to a pitcher of ice water being sat on it. Okay. That's a way long email. No, it's good, Dan. Nope. But I'm afraid that's what you'll get when you have such meaty episodes. Um, and he's going to keep emailing us because he's great. Thank you, Dan. And he, yeah. There's going to be more exciting stuff going forward. Um, yeah, I'm into this. Uh, in terms of the length of the email, always we can decide if we're like these emails are long. But we like reading emails. We like hearing you guys talk. And Dan Mail is like the highlight of my week to BH. Like, yeah. To, I mean, it really is. Uh, and it's not like we get like a thousand emails every week. So, you know, we read the ones that we get. Um, and then in terms of viewing order stuff, that does actually make me want to watch Crusade a little bit more, especially because it's not long, dude. Like it's a couple weeks. And if we did two a week, we'd be through it so fast. It would take um, us two, like two months. Yeah. Okay. Actually, never mind. Maybe we definitely shouldn't watch Crusade because I can't watch a bad show for two months. Yeah, sure um, you can. Oh, okay. <laughs> the newsroom. Oh, shit. Remember when we watched it all? For most of 2018, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I definitely still want to watch Crusade if that affects people's answer. Because um, some people were like, if you're going to watch Crusade, then don't worry about putting the finale like in a weird position because you have more show, like Dan is saying. But if yeah. you're if you're going to end on Babylon 5, then end with the finale because it's the good stuff. I don't know. We'll keep thinking about it. Yeah, we'll probably watch Crusade. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it's if it's, it's, it's actually, I think we have access to it. It's totally... It's in our uh, secret oh, Plex that, folder. That would make a difference. Huh? Is it in there? Whatever. I'll look in there later. Um, but for now, uh, we have a second email from our friend Nick of the Brothers uh, of Infinite the Nick War. Mail. The Nick Mail. Nick, 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 Nick sent us a mail. Um, he says, I wanted to mention something that you skipped over during the climax. Um, how a final, how as a final attempt to keep things going, the shadows through the Vorlons agreed together to try to missile Sheridan's ship after he rejected them. This was a thing that we didn't talk about, actually, yeah. Only then to have the other races surround and protect them, sacrificing ships in the process. So this is like, when Sheridan is having that talk with the the Shadows and the Vorlons, the allied races are, like, blocking missiles for them. Mm. By having Lorian show the, show the fleet the finale debate, it gave them all the chance to reject their final offer. I really like the United Stand, and not only the main characters doing their thing. I just wish that the show gave more time to seeing what those non-allied races were doing, but they've spent yeah, the yeah I, I agree. They spent the scene focusing on Sheridan's like moral quandary, which is important too. It's just like you know a cool thing happened in the basically in the background of that episode. Uh, a little bit, a little bit less cheesy take on the no longer afraid of shadows line that I like to imagine. This is great, by the way. Uh, he says this is most likely not the intent, but maybe the shadows in Plato's allegory of the cave is what they're referring mm. to. People seeing the shadows of objects their whole lives, believing they're real. When they escape the cave, they can see things how they are, which are separate from the shadows. It's a very good read, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, they haven't explicitly referenced Plato or that kind of branch of philosophy uh, in the show, but there's no reason not to think that that's what they're going for. So I dig mm. it. Uh, most importantly, in regards to Centauri genitals. <laughs> if Londo could pick up poker cards, then I assume the awkward hugs between Londo and Veer could also include equally awkward dick hugs. Kind of like a badly executed handshake during me handshake meeting a fist bump. Ooh, I want to see that. 
um that's that's magellan to that's the awkward energy that i love so much and that mm-hmm. i feed on yeah he, he's, he's talked about that a lot in regards to movies and crusade release order is probably still good except for third space since it was aired in season five but very clearly produced in season four watching crusade is fine and has good moments but and this is where nick completely roasts us i have to ask without having gone to the last uh the final last chat spender episode yet why didn't you watch the legend of korra did the legend of korra seem too long um yes short answer yes Short answer: Yes, it seemed too long, and for me, as someone who did watch it, we're trying to we were trying to like get away from stuff where one of us has watched it like recently. Like I just watched it, you right. know, two or three years before, but it's still like very fresh in my mind. So, mm-hmm. and it's like you know, it is an interesting show, and maybe in the future we'll like dip into it again. But we try it. You'll get to the end, and you realize that we watched the premiere of it, and we were like, this seems cool, but not necessarily yeah. podcastable. Yeah, I think that's what it. I think we had come to realize by the end of the last chat spender that we wanted to shift the tone of the type of show that we were watching. We were ready for that. Yeah. And we were like, we can do Korra later. And so we'll probably still do it at some point. Um, But to me, Crusade's different because it's like, because like if Crusade had gone on for five full seasons, like it was supposed to, then we'd be like absolutely not yeah we'd say no like we'll watch it a couple shows from now but because mm-hmm. it's like a thing that didn't fully happen it feels like it kind of belongs as part of the babylon 5 show as opposed to its own thing right already so much of the blood of babylon 5 is interred in like network interference and so like a whole show that got a whole season out of network interference and was canceled before it aired like fuck yeah i want to watch that um, he concludes his email, though, saying, I'd like to also suggest and get feedback from the audience about the idea of saving season five, episode 22 to the very, very end of Chat Salon 5. So even if you decide to watch the later movies and Crusade and the Lost Tales, oh my God, um, it would give you something really good to finish on later. Total different life. direction from Dan. Yeah. Duke, duke it out, guys. Um, That's a bold idea because like. Bold. We'd be jumping like four years backwards into a show that we forgot about and then being like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, remember Babylon two five. months ago when we watched season five, episode 21. Now it's yeah. time for episode 22. I don't think my brain can handle that bounce. I mean, but if everybody were to email in and tell us to do that, we'd have to do it, right? Yeah, you guys do have that power. That's true. Yeah. I can make it work. We can make it work. Um, He said his emails it seems too long. I disagree. This is not even like close to one of our longest emails and I don't care. I do also, he added a postscript saying, um, my last comment is, why did Londo go right to asking Veer to kill him when he saw the Vorlon ships? Um, he didn't just go to try and kill himself. Was he thinking to himself, maybe, Veer, you've already killed an emperor. Why not a prime minister? Which is dark, Nick. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, maybe he's like Veer's capable of it now. I think honestly what it is is that Londo knows that he would never be able to kill himself. Like he's he too, would have done it. He's too much of a kind of like self-serving creature mm-hmm. to, in that moment, kill himself for the good of the people. Exactly. And if someone else does it, he can kind of distance himself from it a little bit. The act, I mean. Like he knows it will happen if he right. tells Veer to do it. Exactly. If he's like, I command you, this is my final job, then it'll happen. But if he tries to do it, he'll he'll waffle. Also, maybe part of him knows that Veer wasn't going to do it. And he just oh, wanted to like have the feeling of, I tried to do what was right. 
but I had the a moment. world was destroyed. I had, uh, I had, it was out of my hands. Yeah, I, I, I did ask. You can tell, like, you can tell karmically. You can tell whoever yeah. controls karma, like, I did ask, but he didn't. Right, you that's know, what I'm thinking. Uh, good read. <clears throat> uh, final comment this week is just on our Twitter from at uh, Spit Polish Presents, which is a podcast, our sort of sister podcast where they watch films. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, to clear up some of your Lord Rifa and Morden confusion, um, the order of operations was that Londo poisoned Rifa to make sure that he would cut off Morden's power within the court. So mm-hmm. Morden killed Adira knowing he could get Londo back and punish Rifa in the process. So Londo did the first kill. Well, but Londo didn't kill Rifa at that point. He just gave him half the poison. Yes. Poisoned Rifa rather to make sure he would. Where did you him. see that? That was the tweet? That was on Twitter, yeah. Yeah, let me look at that. I don't know if it answers my question. Spin pot. Can you read it again? I can't seem to find it. Also, to clear up some of your Lord Rifa and Morden confusion, Londo poisoned Rifa to make sure he would cut off Morden's power within the court, so Morden killed Adira, knowing he could get Londo back and punish Rifa in the process. But why did Morden want to punish Rifa? That's what I don't understand. Good question. Get Londo back and punish Rifa. Is that because Rifa cut him off? Is that why? Oh, maybe. I guess that's what it is, right? Because Londo tells him to, and then he does. I guess that's what it is. Okay. That makes sense. Also, um, did send us a good, another good Babylon 5 meme. Beautiful. It's just a guy getting hit. This is a fucking Babylon 5 spoiler that I felt weird about retweeting, but it's Mr. Morden chilling and being evil, and there's a Coke can flying into his face, and it says decapitation. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. Um, Yeah. Thank you, everybody, who sent in comments and feedback. We will be right back after this brief musical break to discuss the illusion of truth. Welcome back to Chatsalon 5. The second episode we watched this week was Season 4, Episode 8, The Illusion of Truth. It was written by J. Michael Straczynski. Uh, Alan has concealed who directed the episode and is going to reveal it to me now. Stephen First! Whoa! (laughs) Okay. All right. Directed by Stephen First. That's great. That's a first. It's a first. Does he direct any other ones? He does. Uh, He does the season four, episode 22, which I think is the finale of season four. Yeah. And then he does a mid-season five episode. Cool. It aired February 17th, 1997, and it takes place from April 3rd to April 12th of 2261. Alan, what happens in The Illusion of Truth? Well, Magellan, I'm super glad you asked. In this episode, the command crew take a chance when an ISN reporter arrives on the station claiming that he wants to do an objective and truthful story on Babylon 5. Hmm. He does not, <laughs> is what I'm going to add to that summary. Uh, no, it isn't. Uh, no, it, that's exactly right. Um, Magellan, what did you think about the illusion of truth? Oh, man. Boy, oh, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Boy, oh, boy. So, 
the setup of the episode is the reporters are here Mm -hmm. and there's this whole the episode kind of hinges on this speech that what's the reporter's name again dur durbin oh i definitely should it randall randall mr randall i'll get you the full name in a sec durbin is the name of the principal in ap bio oh rest in peace yeah rest in peace good show but it's canceled now Dan Randall. Jesus, Dan dude. Dan Randall. Yeah, that's Jesus. right. He looks like a Dan Randall. He really does. He looks like a... We do have several loyal listeners named Dan, so let's just watch our step. Huh? Shout out to Dan's, except this guy, this Dan in yeah, particular. Yeah, this one, Dan, yeah. Um, so the episode hinges on this moment where Dan Randall is talking to Sheridan and Ivanova. And essentially, uh, Ivanova... He uh, Sheridan comes in, and the guy's like, "Your your cap, your commander said that she was going to take me by the scruff of my shirt and throw me out the airlock." And then Sheridan's like, "Now, Vanova, didn't I always tell you to take the shirt off him first and throw him on naked?" <laughs> I hate you, buddy. Take a seat. Um, and then Dan Randall says, "Listen, I know that we're a propaganda arm of Clark's government." That's why I stayed, because I wanted to be on the inside, trying to make things good. And sure, I have to tell lies sometimes, but I I always try to slip in a little piece of the truth. So that maybe, you know, eventually we can slip in the most important pieces and make things good again. Uh, so let me do a story on you, and I'll slip in a piece of the truth, and it'll be great. And Sheridan's like, okay, fine. So the dude goes around, Dan Randall, he's interviewing people and stuff. And so for half of the episode, I'm sitting there like, oh boy, oh God. Oh, how is he going to fuck this? Oh, what are the mistakes we're making right now that I don't, I can't even perceive? Right. Oh, <laughs> just like really stressed. Yeah, the first half of the episode is just like concentrated dread. For like mm-hmm. 30 minutes, almost 30 minutes. And then the second half of the episode is, oh, God. No, <laughs> the thing with the, oh, and the, oh, and he got oh, that too. No. Come on. It's kind of a, like, really believable. So um, brilliant. Really pro- well done episode. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously the structure is a bold choice. Mm-hmm. Giving like a third, almost half of the episode to the actual, like, non-diegetic, just this is the news report. With like, well, it's not. There's not. That's not like being shown on a screen. Though. Like they are watching it, but we're not like watching it through them watching it. We're just okay. It is the show. I know that the wording, like the wording of diegetic, doesn't make a lot of sense there. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like yeah, it's not. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, and it's just like this is the show. And then not only that, but when we finally do, like all I wanted watching it was like I really want their reactions. Like this is why YouTube reactions are so popular is because I want to see how people respond. Like how should I? How should they dictate my response to this? Mm-hmm. Should I be angry? Should I be scared or sad? And then we finally come back and nobody has anything to say. They fucking walk out and then Sheridan turns the TV off. Yeah. Well, the thing that's very that speaks volumes about how they felt about it is the blocking of where they're standing when we right. come back to them. Because when we start the broadcast, Sheridan has his remote control and he's like, uh, with our luck, this is going to be the commercials when we turn it on. And then, of course, it cuts the commercial. Cheesy. Very uh, cheesy. Cute. 
the just a light moment of levity before the world comes crashing <laughs> down around our shoulders um and everybody else is sitting at the table him uh or delenn and ivanova are sitting at the table sheridan's mm-hmm. at the tv and then when we cut back sheridan is miles away from the screen yeah like, looking out the window he's just seething and can't even speak and ivanova it has her face like pressed up against the screen she's probably screaming at the screen super mad that tells the whole story of what we need to know and so i thought the blocking there was just really really well done yeah again shout outs to steven shout outs to veer right yeah he did a good job he did a great job um it's there's a couple things one uh the trivia actually points out that the one truth that randall promised to sheridan does happen at the beginning right he mentioned... so that so that i was wondering if that happened yeah at the beginning of his report he mentions that like sheridan's father is you know under at the end at the end of his report i think he says at the end of his report yes yeah oh he... mentions sheridan's father has gone missing and that the farm has been destroyed yes so that part is truth that is like news truth for sheridan good so like technically in a roundabout way he didn't lie he did tell a truth but it's like not relevant to what he was talking about anyways um when he comes onto the ship we get a we get another fun zach moment where he's really annoyed that there's this camera and they're starting to suspect that it's something serious and then he sees all these guys and then yeah like the iconic line dan is like i'm a reporter this is my crew and you just made the evening news Mm -hmm. and then zach just has this smile that could sink a million ships (laughs) you suck hi tv Mm -hmm. and he's like dan randall isn news um we get the moment of sheridan that you really liked or that you commented on earlier um we get a moment with franklin that was also all of these are reincorporated terribly and and, like twisted and made into horrible propaganda but the moment with franklin is he's going to like save some lives and you know lanier and uh randall walk by him he's like i can't talk right now i have to go do stuff and he's about to leave and then he gets a call about uh bodies in cryostasis and he's like, oh, uh, this is going to be awkward. Um, we'll deal with this. And that's obviously brought back later. Uh, we have Garibaldi in this episode who briefly chats with Lanier. And it seems like he has a new, he's like given himself a new sort of job while he's not on security. Yeah, he's like finding people's lost stuff or whatever. Yeah, things people lost in the war. He's like looking for this lady's pot. And it's like, that's kind of cool. Unless you remember that he's like, under our control right now so yeah, what is someone's the... like you work for us you work for us you work for us right right so like what is his actual intention there yeah um i just remembered that i have a fortune cookie by the way so let's see what garibaldi's fortune is oh yeah you bring out the best in others that's fucking perfect <laughs> wow yeah facts also you do so oh buddy mm-hmm. well it's for garibaldi so. yeah also i can't take it I just really like that the ISN camera, A, is a physical thing that's, like, controlled with a wand, which is great, mm-hmm. uh, and how it just always captures these, like, perfectly awkward moments. Like, we get we get to see it's still images that it takes every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Londo, when he's telling Sheridan, like, this is such a frustrating moment that's, that's reused later, too, but... He's like, my room is kept too cold, um, Captain Sheridan. Like, you never, it's colder than cold. And he gets, he becomes very Londo about it. And it's like over-exaggerating. Mm-hmm. And Sheridan's like, all right, Londo, we'll definitely take care of that. Like, clearly not acquiescing. Mm-hmm. But just the camera manages to capture a shot of Londo wagging his finger at Sheridan. And, it, and they reincorporate it to be like, and they don't, they do everything that the Centauri tell them to. Aren't they subservient? Mm-hmm. That's so, it, yeah, but. 
Um, like you said, the big one is um, the interview with Delenn and Sheridan, which you had commented before we got on mic that like this doesn't feel like the way people it's, talk. It's weird. So like all of the other stuff kind of there are moments where in the first half of the, of the episode, I knew those things were going to be twisted. And then there were moments where I did, had no idea. So, like, the part where they're in the down below and Lanier's like, this is the down below, here's the whole thing. I didn't expect that they would, I should have, probably, but I didn't expect that they would twist that into, like, all of the humans on Babylon 5 are kept in this awful place. Um, Also, like, I can't believe Babylon 5 still hasn't figured out the down below situation. (laughs) Guys, it's been a problem since day one. It reflects so poorly on the station. I mean, I get it because they've been busy. What? They've been busy. Well, also, like, that is how cities work, right? Like, New York hasn't figured out its homelessness problem. True. And they have no, it doesn't seem like they have any major plans to. In both cases, or it's you guys oh, know no, it's a problem. I, yeah, I but, think there are, but it's just built into the mechanism of capitalism that, like, unless we fundamentally change parts of that mechanism, people are yeah. going to get ground to the bottom. Exactly, uh, and so they they know that they acknowledge this, and Lanier is like, yeah, like we're working through it. We're trying to figure ways to help them out. Like it is a little bit frustrating. It's problematic. Whatever. Like, don't. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I so like, I didn't anticipate that that would get twisted. I didn't mm-hmm. anticipate that the moment where Sher- where um Franklin comes by with the stretcher would get twisted into like Yeah, that one they, got me. That was like, "Oh man, that's rough." Like people get carted away to be disposed of or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I did 100% feel in the Delen Sheridan conversation that I knew exactly which lines were going to be taken out of context right it's it's almost too perfect yeah exactly they're talking about nobody can stop like he's like so you guys are in love and they're like yeah our love is unstoppable we're together forever nobody can stop us and you're like huh yeah like nobody can stop what we're what we've done here what we've done here like no who talks like that these like lovesick children who are like trying to one-up each other and how romantic they can be uh make a huge mess um and then the last major interview is uh, with Garibaldi, which we don't actually see until it's repurposed later. Mm-hmm. But we do get the great line here where Randall's like, can I sit? And then Garibaldi's like, that's between you and your chiropractor. I don't get involved. That's <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so Garibaldi. That's just very good line writing. That's a fun uh, one. I like it. And it, 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 it makes you go like, oh, Garibaldi's fun and good. He's not going to do anything bad. We don't even need to see this interview because he's just going to say nice things. Mm-hmm. Bump, bump uh ivanova sits down to watch the report and has a fun dinner set up this is that shot i was talking about earlier where i was like what are their what's their food because sheridan's like i also brought a tv dinner and it looks like hers is just bread it's like different breads it looks like she's got some grapes in there or something or maybe he does yeah i don't know it's i just babylon 5 food always interesting to me yeah definitely um, and then, like, yeah, what we were saying, Delon comes in as well, and they're like, all right, let's all watch the report. I hope it'll be good. It probably won't be. And we get the full, full ISN news report, including some news headlines, which was really fun. Um, and some good, like, definitely probably foreshadowing, right? Mm-hmm. Seems um, like it. With the they're talking about the, stuff. 
Exactly. They're like, there's Mars rebels. Um, last time we checked in on Mars, if I remember correctly, uh, Clark's forces had been overthrown by rebels. Mm-hmm. And so now this is like, actually they're held, they're holding all the rebels hostage and they re-liberated new Vegas from the rebels. Mm-hmm. So it's just the back and forth of, of our liberation. And it sounds like they need help. So that's, yeah. I, if Babylon five goes to fucking Mars, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm good in a good way. Like I want them to go yeah, to Mars. That sounds good to me. There's a part in the like little ticker. I always love news tickers where it's like touch here to download background files. <laughs> that <laughs> like, was a nice. That was a nice touch. Yeah, yeah, a nice touch. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, then they did the, the this day in history thing. Right. It's like this. They call it this year in history, but it's yeah, this that day. Was weird. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. So this is the part where I was like, I have a question for you, Magellan. Do you okay. think that Babylon Five's writers? From what you, from your knowledge so far, based on the couple of like news report episodes that we've gotten, do you think that they have a thing with journalists? Like, do you think they don't like journalists? No. Okay. I don't. Uh, I think they are just trying to portray, uh, like something that can happen if journalism becomes too cozy with political power. Right. Um, this is my segue to a brilliant quote from J. J. Michael Straczynski from the Lurker's Guide. Um, somebody asked him that question on the forum where they get these questions. And he was like, first of all, I was a, he, he's saying like, I was a journalist myself. So like, mm-hmm. I am telling a story based on my own experience. Like this does happen. People twist words effortlessly. I was encouraged to do stuff like this. It happens. Um, He's also like, there have been not, if you go back and watch, like not all of the news reports have been just bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's been good journalism done about Babylon five. And like, you know, the, the woman who was like in the, and even in season one, when yeah, she was talking, Sinclair, talking with Sinclair, it's like, right. And it's like, this is just a hopeful report. Like maybe we can figure things out. Like it's not, he's like, I want people to know that journalism is a spectrum. And then he has this great quote. Um, Oh, there's a couple here. I don't make any blanket condemnations of journalists. For one thing, there's a difference between portraying journalism in a free society and one under a dictatorship. It's a difference between journalism and propaganda. And then regarding his portrayal of reporters, he says, I'm definitely not anti-reporter. I'm against the control of truth by any government or political agenda. We are made stronger by a multiplicity of voices. And the more that these voices are allowed access to a level playing field, the more often the truth will come out to play. So very like pro journalism actually of like no we want people to talk and have opinions of the things and wonder just... how f- when did that that quote is like a nineties quote right yeah that's like the time that this aired <clears throat> I wonder how he would feel about that idea now yeah in right the current climate where like giving things equal voice just means that like crackpot conspiracy theories end up running farther and drowning out. It's it's a line that's so easy to read. Like when you say we are made stronger by a multiplicity of voices, that reads very hopeful. But then like the more these voices are allowed access to level playing field, the more often the truth will come out. You're like, uh-oh, 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 yeah, JMS. Like we actually know that maybe that's not true. Yeah, careful, buddy. Um, so he's coming from a perspective, which I like. I, I respect that he's he has a pers- he has like yeah. a defined point of view and he's not he's trying to, you know, get that across. I think it would be a totally wrong read of this episode to say that it's anti-journalist. Right. Because like they're, they're propagandists for a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. So they're as much operatives of Clark's government as like the, the uh, night watch. Right. And there's two, two things in here that, that really solidify that one is he has that mother 
effort. Will, Dr. Indiri, Dean of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School, which is a school I've always mm-hmm. felt was already kind of creepy. So I was like, oh, thank, this is very validating. Um, Dr. Indiri talking about this idea of Mimbari War Syndrome mm-hmm. in that Sheridan being subservient to alien races is a form of Mimbari War Syndrome. Like because uh, the war ended the way it did, maybe we just kind of think we like them, even though we know they're wrong. It's like this this pseudoscience that's like put behind a guy with a PhD sitting at a desk uh-huh. and you're just like, guys, like what the, where's, where did, none of this is, this is completely unprofessional and you know it is, but they don't care because it's, it's definitely framed as like, we got the expert to talk to us about this real thing that exists. And I just, I got very strong right. Fox News vibes here. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then the part where he's like, Oh, I wouldn't give a diagnosis from afar, but that I'm I'm doing. But I'm that. doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I'm doing. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, so my I guess my question about this episode, the thing that's interesting to me is how much you believe Dan Randall and him saying like he's just a guy who's trying to do the best that he can. Mm. Uh, but he's trying to stay alive and work inside the system and give like a piece of truth at a time. Like, do you buy that? Do you think that he was just manipulating the Babylon five crew by saying that? And he's like totally bought into Clark's government. Like what's your take on him personally? Dude? Yeah. On him saying that to them. Oh, like, like I'll, yeah, I'm, I, stayed on because i know that this is propaganda and i'm trying to like steer it from the inside and give like little pieces of the truth along the way i would except he should know the power that his report carries and like if you're gonna make propaganda and you have to fit certain standards and say certain things then you should still try to like do something to get an actual truth across because you know what you're reporting isn't the truth. And so no matter how much you tell me that you do want the truth, then you you failed based on the report that we yeah, watched. Because if he true. didn't smear Babylon 5, he'd probably be killed. Right. So then I think at the end of the day, it doesn't it, it's almost irrelevant whether or not he meant to, to tell lies like that because he did. And it's his job and he, it didn't, he didn't have the option. So it's like, yeah, maybe he was like, I really like maybe we could have got on getting gone to scene at the end of this episode where he's like, man, I feel terrible about that. But I had to do it. I had people like there's a mm-hmm. shot. And this is like a part of the episode I want to talk about. That's like very, very, very charged imagery, like talking about actually before the Babylon 5 report, how there's like people who are being asked to out conspirators. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, guy is like, like s- thing. it's so McCarthyist that he's using real names and they like changed the first names. He talks about Trumbo. He talks about like all oh, these people. Yeah. It's like completely that. Yeah. Um, oh, I also just learned that the the doctor. Yeah, the doctor and Deary thing is called Stockholm syndrome. I thought that was trivia for some reason. Never mind. Um, no, yeah, they name it something. They name it Helsinki syndrome. Helsinki for syndrome some, for some reason. Uh, but they're trying to be like, no, this is definitely like cold war red scare propaganda everyone knows it's fake but we're watching it anyways because people believed it at the time Mm -hmm. and so that's the scary thing about this report is like it probably worked great it probably like people on earth no longer believe like or at least 
like the you know like the lady that was with her family a couple of when back when Franklin was like finding himself and she was like get that uh-huh. that man she believes this right, right. but yeah. what i think is important to remember about like the society on earth right now is that there are more rebels than the ISN in that Clark's administration seem to think there are i hope so like i imagine that there are people who this was never going to get through to and that this didn't work on and that's that's a little bit hopeful it's like yeah. no matter how much smear they do, at the end of the day, there's going to be good people out there who know I'm, that Babylon Five is an okay I guess place. I'm, what I'm asking is like, do you think that this guy, this reporter, is responsible for this smear? Because if he was not in the chair, someone else would have done that too, and he's trying to like find a way to undermine that. I'm sort of playing devil's advocate. A yeah, little yeah. Bit. Well, that's but the like, thing is because his it just seems like his worldview, and I think this is something worth critiquing and thinking about, is mm-hmm. like, I will do my job and work within a bad system, a morally bankrupt system that is doing bad things, and I will do small good things in secret, and that is the way to make change happen. <clears throat> What but, do you think of that? I I I would love to think that. I just didn't see any evidence that he has any interest in being that guy. Because he tells Sheridan that his dad went missing. But it's right? such a mi- but it's such a minor line. Because that's all that he can afford to do. That's his little gimme. I mean, yeah. honestly, I I might even just like need to like look at that scene again and determine like from his his like body language if that felt like he was kind of looking to camera and being like, hey, this is the thing for you. It kind of did a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. I believe it. Because the conclusion for me was just like, at this point I was already just like checked out, being like, all right, this sucks. With him being like, this condition sucks. Sheridan really needs to get treated. It's such a shame that like the guy who runs the ship is is completely broken and compromised. It's a shame that they're really putting people in cryostasis to, because they're you know, saying bad things about him. Mm-hmm. We need to fix this guy. Also, hey Sheridan, your dad is missing. Like maybe, yeah, maybe it is a little bit of a, a like a snack for, or like a little bit of a gimme for Sheridan. And maybe yeah. he is trying to tell him like I'm not just bad, but it's so minor. Yeah, and it, the other stuff out totally outweighs it. You're saying, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, that's fair. Um, but that's a, yeah, it's it's a this is a, it's a challenging episode, I think. Mm, which is why I'm really glad we got to watch it. Yeah. Uh, and like we said, after after this whole report, everybody basically walks out. The last thing he mentions too is that the cryo bay stuff that Franklin briefly mentions he takes to mean that they're locking people, freezing people up. What is it actually? Is it just that he says like we put them in there so the, that those are the those are the psychor people who were have the shadow stuff or like messed up with shadow stuff. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. So they froze. It's like Bester's girlfriend's in there. Oh, oh, those, 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 those. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying I'm wondering if Bester is the one who tipped them off. Oh, and like gave them, like kind of nudged them. I'm wondering if that was his ace in the hole, or mm. if his ace in the hole is Garibaldi. Garibaldi. Or like yeah. What, what's going on there? These are fun mysteries. Get out Babylon Five. Uh-huh. I'm into this. Uh, and then yeah, we get this like steady cam as everyone walks the fuck out. And that's where we leave Babylon 5 for this week. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually where we leave Babylon 5 for the next two weeks in a way. Because although we are watching Babylon 5 content next week, we're not watching episodes. No, sir. 
we are instead beginning with our Babylon 5 film journey next week. We are watching. Oh, we've watched one before. But our, these are like the film films. Like the film films, yes. Yeah. We, watched we are watching a, a movie pilot that was not the real pilot. What was it called again? Not in the beginning. No. It was called uh, was The Gathering. Blast Off. Oh, yeah. The Gathering. Babylon 5 Blast Off. <laughs> Babylon uh, 5, here we go. Yeah. So we are watching uh, one of the Babylon 5 movies. Now, the first Babylon 5, the one that people call the first Babylon 5 movie is in the beginning, but we're not watching that yet. We're watching that at the end of season four. Uh, do you remember why? It's just in a watch list for us. I think it still we're... has stuff um, from like season could, four. Like it could spoil stuff or something? I think that's the idea. Okay. Um, but from what I understand, the movie we're watching next week is a total spinoff, mm-hmm. uh, like self-contained thing. Um, this is the description from Amazon. I'm going to ask you to find me another description if you can from somewhere else, because this is kind of an oddly phrased thing. The uh, film's called Babylon 5 Third yeah, Space, Third by the Space. way. We haven't said it. Yeah, I was about to say it. We're, we're watching well, sorry. Third Space, which was Third Space. Turd Space, which was released July 19th, 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on Amazon, the description is set during the epic five year story arc of Babylon 5. This effects packed feature length telefilm stars all the original series regulars plus Shari Belafonte. <laughs> so if you could find me something that says what it's about, <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, the gist of it from what I understood was. That they discover an artifact in space. Let me see if maybe... Oh, yeah, here's one. Set in the middle of the year 2261, the year between the wars, takes halfway takes place halfway through season four. The movie deals with an enormous artifact discovered in hyperspace and towed to Babylon 5 for investigation, at which point the Xeno archaeological organization IPX sends a representative, Dr. Trent, to take control of the examination. So then some shit happens. Um, cool. I don't want to get too much into it because I don't want to read about it, but we're watching a movie next week, folks. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go to the movie. We're going to get some popcorn and go to the film, to go to the cinema. So we'll do a commentary on it. Um, mm-hmm. And then we'll sort of, at the end of that commentary episode, probably do like a 25, 30-minute discussion of the movie. Yeah, it'll be a uh, chunky one. Yep. So you can watch the whole thing with us, or you can just download next week and skip to the end and listen to our discussion if you don't want to watch the whole movie. Uh, it's up to you, however you want to do it. And then we'll be back to normal two episodes a week after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, some fun stuff. I don't know. I'm just excited to see Babylon Five with a little bit more budget and see what like a, a like a fun one-off fee Babylon Five film looks like. Because the book stuff that I've read has all been like good, not great. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people like Third Space. Um, so sure, I'm I'm ready for it. Yeah, uh, we'll be having a fun guest on. Yeah, um, my uh, we'll have my roommate Charlie back who watched The Gathering with us. And we kind of just want him to only watch Babylon 5 movies and never watch the show. Yeah, <laughs> don't ever touch it. What you think of Babylon 5, if that's your experience of it. Yeah. Um, we um, have access to the film. If you want to watch it, I believe it's rentable on Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. I should have checked before we record it. You can purchase it on Amazon, yeah. Is it cheap? Is it like... Affordable? Oh, it's two um, two dollars. Yeah, it's fine. 
Oh, it's two dollars. Each of the movies is two dollars. Yeah, this is great. Just yeah, you can yeah. also buy all of them in a. For, oh no, you can't. But you no, have to buy, buy them individually. Yeah. yeah. But we're watching Third Space. If you um have questions or comments, or we we will like do emails if we get some about Third Space. Um, if you want to do that ahead of time or whatever, um, definitely send those in because I know some people have some thoughts about the films. Yeah. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm just I'm really jazzed to watch a movie with you. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, get a little taste of that commentary chat's energy for people who aren't patrons. Um, speaking speaking of Patreon, uh, let's take it to the plug zone. Uh, one of the main ways you can support Chats of Television podcast is by heading over to our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash chatspod, C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D. It is there that you can receive at $2 a month, Commentary Chats, which is a show where every month Majan and I watch a film together and talk over it. Um, we just watched for the month of June, Austin Powers International Man of Mystery, which was an interesting experience. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. And you should watch those. You should watch movies with us. And then at five dollars a month, if you really want to help us out, you can hear us on Chats Nights, which is our biweekly hangout show where we talk about life, love, the pursuit of happiness. And if you are a five dollar or plus patron, if you're a patron at the level that you get Chats Nights, you can submit things for us to enjoy and experience on that podcast. Um, we just put out an episode of that where we talked about the Velt, which is a Ray Bradbury short story that was recommended to us by listener Danny. Um, and it was a good time, so you should definitely check out the Patreon. We're getting ever, ever closer to our $50 a month goal. Once we hit that $50 a month goal, should I tell them what happens? Please tell them. Um, the idea is if you can get us there, then that will make everything cheaper for everybody and encourage a wider base of support, which would be really cool. Um, so if we can get to $50 a month and the whole pricing tier system changes, then suddenly commentary chance, chats, commentary chats is just a dollar a month. Uh, chats nights is just $3 a month. And then brand new at the $5 a month tier is pilot chats which is a kind of look behind the scenes at us piloting potential shows that we'd want to watch full length for this show. So we'll watch like the first episode of a TV show and we'll talk about, okay, what did we think? Let's do a discussion the way we do it. How would we do a show about this? Do we think it could work kind of thing? Uh, and usually every time that we pick a new show, we'll pilot like a handful of things. Before Babylon 5, we piloted probably like eight seven or eight different shows not yeah. that many maybe six or seven several um <clears throat> but we try to take our time and we thought we could share that deliberation process with you if you're interested so we're almost there we are very very close uh hopefully by the time we're recording our next episode we can tell you that that has occurred bigger and better things baby always moving forward yeah baby um, you can also, if you want to send us questions, comments, or feedback that can be read on the show, send those to chatspod at gmail.com. We love getting those emails and reading them. Um, we also have a Twitter at chatspod where you can send us feedback there. Um, rate us on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform of choice. That's another way to support us for free if you'd like to just kind of get the word out. Recommend us to a friend. That's all, Word of mouth is always the best way to recommend podcasts, in my opinion. And yeah, get that word out there, kids. Magellan, what? is your chatsum for this week my chatsum for this week is going to a stationary store oh you know is this another muji plug did i plug muji 
What? You've plugged Muji in multiple ways. Oh. Well, but like Muji Muji pajamas, Muji uh This one's joking. not this one's not Muji. I was in Brooklyn the other day and I walked into a stationery store and it had lots of fun different uh Ooh. cards and <gasps> there were stickers, you know, with little monsters on them or oh, the different like kinds of pencils and I just oh. fucking love that shit. Oh. I fucking love that shit. What's the best thing about stationery? What do you like about stationery? <sighs> Jesus. Just I mean, where to start? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just fun. Like, ooh, so many different like little things you could have to draw with or to just have in a little case. You know, I'm into bullet journaling now. Yeah. It's my yeah. year of my first year of doing the bullet journal thing. And I'm really uh it's it's feeding a side of me that I knew existed but hasn't really had an outlet to be kind of like artsy in a mm-hmm. in a low stakes way um so that and going to stationary stores and just browsing and being like yeah maybe i do want an eight pack an eight pack of very small notebooks with <laughs> monsters on the cover it's maybe one of those exactly what i want exactly you're yeah. right that's the only thing i've ever wanted <laughs> yeah um it's one of those the hobbies where when you see somebody who's really into it you just it suddenly makes a lot of sense like when I was in New York with Magellan and our friend Jim a couple weeks ago, God, time passes fast. Uh, we were in the Columbia bookstore and we were just in this corner. And we looked at a bunch of stationery. and I was like, huh, seems weird. A bunch of colored paper. And Magellan's like, ooh, I do want to spend $20 on all these like different little cartons of, of colored paper. Like I really, really want this right now. What if I bought this? And I was like, well, I don't get it, but I'm really happy that you have a thing you like. And that's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, what's your chatsum for this week? Uh, my chatsum, uh, I've had a lot of time lately to just kind of dig into some Netflix stuff. So I, I recommended Agretzico last week. Uh, I started another Netflix show, um, which I thought I was only going to watch a little bit of because I had other things to do. And then I accidentally watched the entirety of it. Um, it's a Netflix mm. series called Russian Doll. Yes. Uh, it kind of got really popular when it first launched back in March on Netflix. Um, but it's an eight episode 30 plus minute sort of how would you describe it it's like a dramedy it's like a dramatic comedy yeah i guess so uh yeah, it's sort of a uh like magical realistic comedy yeah but like scary comedy yeah like deeply dark i will give people a heads up if yeah, you have any sort of dark, like yeah. like death anxiety then this is like not the show Do for you watch it because she dies every episode sometimes multiple times yeah basic setup this woman she's in her mid-30s she's at her mid-30th birthday her name's nadia um and at her birthday she goes out she meets a guy she does some stuff and then she dies and she wakes up and she's back at the party so it's sort of a like a modern day groundhog day and it has a lot of great talent behind it the main character nadia is played by natasha leone who's been around the block a bajillion times and was in orange is the new black and but i'm a cheerleader a seminal queer film uh and a bunch of stuff so she worked on it amy poehler has worked on has credits on it um and it's a really touching story about finding what to live for and you know finding love and understanding how to love yourself um it i just i can't say a lot about it because it really expands Mm. in like a beautiful way over the eight episodes it's kind of designed to be watched a lot in at once because 
you know, you're watching the same loop happen, but you're watching things change every time, obviously. Right. Um, and so there are stuff, there's stuff in like episodes five and six that calls back to episode one. So you really want to like devour this show. Um, like I said, I had planned to just watch the one and then it was like, oops, it's eight o'clock and I watched the whole thing. Hmm. Um, it's very funny. If you can get past the part where it's sometimes it's so dark that you want to cry. Um, it is at the same time, like so funny that I was like falling out of my seat. Um, and great performances, great version of New York. I feel like you don't always get like the best versions of what like living in New York looks like. Um, all of her friends are like hilariously attractive, but like really lovable and nice. And, you know, there's, it's a very diverse cast. It reflects the way that the real world looks. And, you know, it's, it's just really touching and sweet. And I think people should check it out. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm so glad I watched it. It kind of like, like pulled me out of a funk somewhat. Um, And then by the end of it, you're just like a a bawling mess. And then they say there might be a season two and you're like, oh, you know, it's great. Mm -hmm. But that, dear, dear listener, is going to do it for this episode of Chat Salon 5. Peace.